0: Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business. Greetings of the day, everyone. My name is Steve Eschbach. I am the owner of Transworld Business Advisors. We're a mergers and acquisitions specialist firm. We are the largest and fastest growing in the United States, and I take it worldwide. And I'm also your host for the Building Better Better Businesses podcast series. Thanks so much for joining us once again. I'm delighted to have a guest of mine. Her name is Jan Steiner. She has a couple of uh, accomplishments that we'll probably talk about among others. One is to take a company from a million dollars in revenues to $40 million in revenues and then eventually sell it. And now she is uh, the CEO of her own uh, motivational speaking business called Make Dust. So, Jan, I want to thank you very much for uh, joining us on the podcast and welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Terrific. So, let's do this first. Let's talk about Jan today. I know you're currently the CEO of a motivational speaking uh, operations. Uh, how else would you describe the current Jan Steiner and Make Dust, if you will?
1: Oh, well, Jan Steiner today is just really enjoying life. I took, uh, I did sell the business, as you had mentioned, and I took somewhat of a sabbatical. And during that sabbatical, I got to visit um, some different areas. The Galacticos Islands is, was a beautiful spot, the Alaska, into the backwoods of Alaska, and really just wound down a bit. When you are running a business that was a uh, manufacturing business, Uh, It's go, go as you're running a business, it's go, go. And then to be able to have the switch turned off and to some extent, and it turned down and be able to catch your breath and take a sabbatical. It was absolutely wonderful. I really, really enjoyed myself. And so now it's time for me to get back involved and doing what I had always wanted to do after I sold the company was help specifically, be an inspiration to people in business, women in business, women in the manufacturing world. And that's what I'm doing.
0: That's terrific. I uh, noticed just by going to your homepage, which is Make Dust, and the opening line is, "Dan Jan teaches the fundamentals that every successful business owner needs to know. Now, I know we can't do that in 10 minutes, but there's probably so much you can share with our audience about. Uh, along the lines of my podcast series, Building Better, Physical, B- Building Better Businesses, what are like one or two or three of the top things that you would kind of tell a business owner first thing off the bat?
1: Okay, well, I'll go back to the name, Make Dust. Make Dust is created because it was my favorite slogan that I had, or I had it actually up on my wall in my office. If you don't make dust, you eat dust. In other words, be a leader out there. And how do you be a leader? Thorough Packaging—the name of the company—was uh, created by my my dad, my mom, and dad. And it was about thoroughbred horses. And so we had this horse theme. So can you imagine um, riding on a trail? You know, and if, if you're in the front, you're making the dust versus eating the dust. So that's always what I wanted to do. So one of the things, back to your answering your question. About the things that are really critical, I think, for a business to be successful, one of it is cash. Oh, my gosh, we need cash. We need to have cash. When I took over the business, we, for my dad, actually, when I started working there, it was capital intensive. They didn't have much money. We did factoring. Uh, then we promoted ourselves to accounts receivable financing. To the point where we got all those things paid off and then had uh, the grand days of actually having a line of credit. So that was really, really key. Um, I wrote uh, a chapter in a book called Connections. And this is, uh, and it's called Connections, the New Currency. And I talk in there about how important it is to have those connections with your partners and some of your strategic partners are people you don't always think about your banker, huge strategic partner that you really need. And I'm sure you're very much aware of that with uh, your line of business that you're doing. So, and then also with your CPA and being able to ask them your banker, ask your CPA, let's come out for breakfast. And first of all, they'll always say, what? You're going to take me out? Go, yes. And I always like breakfast because was the cheapest meal of all three meals of the day. And be able to ask them, what do you see out there? What do you see going on? And you can get such a wealth of knowledge by asking questions.
0: I totally agree with and you, Jenna. That's that
1: really important. To help.
0: Totally agree. And so then you...
1: to have that relationship with your bank, So. Every business has its ups and downs, its ups and flows. And then we are also tied with the economy. Some things happen, like what's happening right now in our world, affects businesses one of two ways, usually up or down. And if you're having a bad quarter, don't hide from your bank. Take it out there and tell them, look, I want to get together with you. We didn't have the best quarter, you know. Preferably to tell them that in person. And however, this is our plan. This is what we realize happened. And this is our, our plan on how to get back onto the stream, the, the path that we had originally intended for this year. And I'll usually, not always, but usually banks will, will work with you during those periods of time and be able to help you. Nobody likes surprises, especially bankers.
0: No, that, that makes a so lot of sense. That's and one of
1: my big tips have that relationship.
0: Absolutely. So I see another a, a few other themes in what you're talking about. Number one is uh, relationship building is key. Collaboration is key. Uh, frequent and uh, frequent communication. Updates are also essentially key as well. We're going to get into that a little bit more, but I want to rewind the videotape a little bit if I can. Uh, earlier in your remarks, you talked about how your parents were an influence on you, but let's even go back to your formative years, back when you were a child. How was that like, and how did that form the basis of Jan Steiner today?
1: My mom and dad were the only ones in their families that were even able to graduate high school. They grew up in the era back once you completed your 16th year then it's time to go out and get a job. And uh, my dad was able to continue his high school because his older brother paid his way. So my dad was a craftsman. He punched a clock, blue collar worker, and he progressed himself up. He believed in apprentice programs, which uh, I really believe in too. apprentice programs to running a pieces of equipment. And that's, where he just took his knowledge and his hard work and determination. And uh, he, he made things happen in his life. I grew up in New Jersey. My dad worked at a, a Continental Can, which was a can maker. They made like coffee cans. And that's what he did uh, until I was 13. And my mom and dad got tired of the weather in New Jersey. And we packed everything up and moved to Southern California. And he started all over. He didn't even have a job when he came out here. He had no job. He packed us up and out we moved. And he had that much confidence in himself. And somebody had heard about him and they contacted him and he went for an interview and they offered him a job running this production area. And he said, oh, I've already done that. Do you have anything else? (laughs) And they said, sure, we have an opening as a junior salesperson. And he took that role. And during that time, is he saw as other companies in the folding carton packaging arena. And that's what we made. We made folding carton packaging. This is one of the promotional pieces that we had done. He felt that there was a need for a high quality short run folding carton company. And we started with basically nothing. It was my mom and my dad and uh, they had partners. The partners didn't last very long. And they had a small printing press. They had a small die cutter. And all boxes, almost all boxes are glued. And they were all glued primarily by my mother, by hand, until we were able to uh, buy a, uh, a used gluer. And that's the way that they they worked very hard. And so they started the, the business right after I got out of high school. And I was going to junior college. And then my second year of junior college, I changed my classes so that I could either go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday. And then I would go and help them. I was also working at at Sears Um, used to be a very big company (laughs) and it was a good opportunity. And I work at at Sears about 20 hours a week, took as many classes as I could and then volunteered labor at my dad's company at their packaging.
0: So you got involved in uh, the business very early career in the world. So how did any of that pave your education uh, in high school and college? Uh, I'm sure that had an influence on, on your education, I would imagine.
1: Just as they were really starting the business.
0: So, and then right after you graduated, you just jumped right into that as well?
1: Well, I was taking marketing classes. Oh no, when I graduated from junior college, I tried to get a job as, uh, or I tried to go to Cal Poly and Pomona and I wasn't accepted. My grades were good, but I think it was because it took me three years to get through junior college. So my dad said, well, it's time to go out and work full time. So I got a job at Sears on their executive training program. So I worked at Sears. And at the time, well, you always had a day off during the week. And I would go to the plant and and work there uh, and help and do whatever needed to do. And I was also doing the books. As soon as I completed Accounting 101, my dad said, now it's time for you to do our books. (laughs) And I went, whoa. So I completed it. And he gave me a check for, I think it was $20. And he said, don't cash it. And I said, I know, there's no
0: money. So, yeah. Interesting. So um, I I really learned. Good for you. Good for you. So tell us a story about growing from 1 million to 36 million or 1 million to 40 million in a short period of time. What would you say were the key elements that made all of that happen? And I'm going to bet a lot of it had to do with relationship building and focusing in on the fundamentals. But I'll let you tell your story.
1: Yes. Not only did I was successful at growing the business, I also bought out all my dad's shareholders. And then after my dad passed away, I bought out my mother. So I went from about six percent ownership to ninety-seven point five percent ownership. So that was in the the last one to buying out my mother. That was a def- definitely a leverage purchase it took us into negative retained earnings at the time. So for a capital intensive business, that's not very great. But we had um we had some good people that really, especially my banking relationships, that really trusted what I was doing and moved forward. I we had an outside board of directors and I learned so much from that board. It was so good. And I think one of the biggest things is is having those relationships, and being open to learning, being open to learning.
0: It's huge. So I guess you're kind of answering my next question is, uh, well, what would be the, uh, the biggest piece of advice you ever received along the way? And it sounds like there might have been quite a bit. And then after experiencing all that growth and where you are today, what advice would you give business owners today? So let's start with the advice that you got that had the biggest impact on you.
1: Oh my gosh, there's so many pieces of advice. It's hard to narrow that down. I really think that I do remember the day when I was in a, a, a Vistage group. I was in a, a peer group of CEOs, which was phenomenal. It really helped me a lot. And I did not, at that point, I was so proud of the fact that we had gotten ourselves to a financial position that we did not have a line of credit. And I was encouraged you need a line of credit. You have to have a line of credit. And I, we got that line of credit. And that really, really helped me. Later on, when we were quoting on a very large piece of business, actually, it was for um, Johnson & Johnson. And they contacted me. And they said, Jan, we're seriously thinking about giving you this piece of business. But you're going to have to gear up for it. And you don't have a line of credit. And I said, oh, please call my bank and ask them one does floral packaging have a line of credit two is there anything outstanding on the line of credit and we got the we got the business because yeah. we had the line of credit but we didn't have anything outstanding on it and it really helped us in that situation so money i keep going back to money you know well, cash having those relationships
0: well you know it's funny i've often advocated in many of my car, uh, communications with people is that uh you know, banking relationships shouldn't start the day that you need money. Banking relationships should start the day that you're pretty well set because you need that relationship. Because when the time comes that you do need money, you already have the known quantity. You already have the likeness. You like the person, they trust you. And of course the referral gets you to the next line where you need to be, is that, is that a fair statement?
1: Well, my father used to say it a little bit different. My father right. used to say, banks are your fair weather friends when the weather is beautiful and you don't need them they're all there and then when you need them they're not good. i think that was one of my my good tips of advice that my dad had
0: well there you go well it certainly you I just up. think
1: that's one of the biggest tips one of the good tips that my dad gave me
0: yeah and do you continue to pass that tip along to others that you meet mm-hmm. sounds good so what do you like best about what you do today
1: I like to see people grow and develop to be the best that they can be and take a, a challenge and conquer it. I just love that. I love that when I was running the company and I would see people and our staff grow and develop, they would take on something new and they would uh, conquer it. That just really gave me joy. And it still does with what I'm doing right now when I see people uh, grow and develop, like right? Was just talking to, to somebody recently who had a big challenge uh, with uh, with their supervisor. And then I was talking to her, and the way the supervisor was, was speaking with her, and she said, well, we just need to take these steps one thing at a time, because they were being bombarded with some things. And he goes, yeah, you're right, you're right. And I said, you know what, you just took over the managerial role, and you did it so nicely. So, so when you see people Grown, developed. thats what excites
0: me. Yeah, that's good to know. That's a—that's great advice. So, what would be your ideal client today, as you have your motivational mm-hmm. advising business today? The best
1: client that I can have is somebody who's open and transparent. You have to be honest. If you are in a crash cash crunch, say it, but be honest. This is what my plans are. This is what I'm going to do. You develop that all as honesty. Honesty is huge. Be honest about where you are and where you want to go. Totally transparent and honest.
0: That makes sense. So how do you stay relevant in a world Mm -hmm. that is constantly changing? And uh, as you and I both know, we went through a dramatic past 12 months with a pandemic that you know, that doesn't happen very often. In fact, it may be a once in a couple of hundred year event. So, uh, but there's other yes. things that are outside influences on anybody. So what would be your advice for anybody? How do you stay relevant? And how are you able to respond quickly to change?
1: Be open to what's going on. Listen to the people around you. Listen to your customers. Listen to what they're saying. You know, listen to a the podcast. They're always great. Listen to the listen to the news only minimum. Uh, One advice that I had heard one time is don't listen to the news right before you go to bed because you don't want to hear negative stuff uh, right before you go to sleep and you'll sleep better if you don't. And um, so you do need to to stay relevant and hear what's going on. I'm still involved with the Chamber of Commerce in the town that my company was, it was uh, Corona, the Corona Chamber of Commerce. And they actually have weekly during, especially during times like this, they're doing a weekly meeting with different speakers to really make you so aware of what's happening in the world of business and what's happening in the world of the government and, uh, and how it affects business. It's phenomenal. It's a, it takes about an hour and it's that is a, it's a foundational piece that you can continue to, to build your business on. So Jan, I can't
0: help. I can't help but uh, get a key takeaway from our conversation today, and that is uh, staying connected. Because uh, I think the more you interact <laughs> with others, the more you're able to learn and stay current. Yeah, I see that. The current connection <laughs> book. <laughs> so I have a book too. It's called Link, Learn, Leverage: Why Networking Is Your Greatest Asset. And, oh. Well. <laughs> but you know, it's an amazing thing that uh, you're, No man is an island. No woman is an island. And if you are not maintaining, initiating, establishing, enhancing relationships, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. So we're about at the tail end of our uh, conversation. today. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want to make sure our listeners uh, hear about? What haven't we covered that uh, in a message that you want to have them take away from the end of this conversation?
1: I think it's important to Keep your head down and focus, but also be aware of everything that's going on. Uh, Again, Thorough Packaging was named after horses, so we use a lot of uh, horse uh, terminology. And um, sometimes it's good to have the blinkers on, and sometimes you need to take the blinkers off and really see what's going on in the world. And that's exactly what you're talking about.
0: Totally agree. So last Mm -hmm. but not least, how do we find out more about Janet Steiner? Where can we go to reach you, your website, any contact information? That'll be our closing piece for you.
1: Oh, thank you. Yes, uh, the website is makebest.com and you can go in there and find out a little bit more about me and what's going on with my life. And I think it's really interesting that it took me many, many years in business and afterwards to realize that I've made this success happen you know, it was collaborative, some help from above, but I've made it happen. And I'm on this new journey and it's fun.
0: Good for you. um, I hope everybody can,
1: all business owners at some point could get to something like that. So there you go. Good
0: for you. Congratulations. Thanks so much for sharing. And uh, thank you listeners for joining us on our podcast today. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business.